Hello, SLP Nation. On today's episode, we're going to be talking all things branding and website creation with Hannah Boeck. Hannah is the founder of a marketing media agency called Cued Creative. If you've ever wondered how to create a clear brand statement for your target audience and how to identify the best marketing activities to help grow your practice, then this episode's for you. For all resources and show notes, head on over to utterlyfinancial.com forward slash 20. That's utterlyfinancial.com forward slash 20. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to SLP Money, an in-depth conversation for speech, language pathologists, and private practice owners on how to break through to the next level of your career and business. Join your host, Craig Goldslager, a financial advisor and certified exit planner, as he shares strategies and stories that will help you become more financially confident and better invest your time and money. You can learn more and stay up to date at utterlyfinancial.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of SLP Money, where today I'm joined with Hannah Boeck, the founder and owner of Cued Creative. Hannah, thanks so much for joining us today on the SLP Money podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so you are an expert in a topic in which our firm is currently getting bombarded by SLPs and private practice owners, just all around the discussion of branding and the importance of social media branding private practice branding, coming up with the colorography, iconography, everything that goes into creating a brand and really presenting yourself to your clients. Before we get into Cued Creative and how you ended up starting this incredible company that has now serviced over 200 private practices across four different countries, would you mind sharing a little bit about your background and actually what led you to become an SLP? Well, let's see. I started out in politics, ended up kind of in business consulting and marketing in my 20s. And then sometime in my mid-20s, I went back to school to become an interior designer. I had my own interior design business, and that all fell apart with the huge economic crash in 2008. So I went to work for a big corporation, and one day I was sitting at my desk and realized that this was not the life for me. And I literally typed into Google careers in demand that are recession proof and Google spit out speech pathology. And I knew nothing about the field other than I had had a friend who had a lisp and had speech therapy when we were younger. So I did some quick research and my local university, I was living in Portland, Oregon at the time, had a post program. So I got on the bus and went down to Portland State and sat in on a class and walked out and I said, this is the career for me. This is amazing. You know, this is everything I've been looking for. So I put myself through a year of postgraduate work and then applied to graduate programs all over the country, wanting to get out of Portland and ended up in Chicago. And it was reflecting on this whole story today about how I ended up as an SLP. And what I realized was my business has been booming since the lockdown. And when the lockdown happened, I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. This is the end. Nobody's going into business. You know, nobody needs my services. What am I going to do? And I, and I remember laying on the couch thinking, I, you know, I don't know, like, should I go start grocery shopping as a living? I didn't know what to do. And as I, as I started thinking about that and how busy I've been this last year and how fortunate I've been, I realized that speech pathologists and this field really truly is recession proof and that people always need our services. And so, you know, as I chose a career based on wanting financial security and career security after suffering a huge crash, I ended up pivoting within my own career, but benefiting from 
the demand of our services. That's such an amazing and unique backstory. Usually when we have guests or even clients of our firm, they usually tell us they got into speech pathology because a family member was in it or a family member had some type of disorder and they were genuinely touched by the help that someone provided, either a family member or a friend or a colleague. But you took a very analytical and strategic route to get into the industry. And based on our position, especially in the midst of the coronavirus, some private practices, as you mentioned, are extraordinarily successful. They are having career years, some private practice owners. The definition of recession-proof to me for a well-operating and oiled machine, which some private practices truly are. So let's fast forward a little bit. You earn your degree, you earn your C's, you are a practicing speech-language pathologist. But then in 2016, something interesting happened. You were contacted by some colleagues or some friends of yours to talk about working on their website, or they had, it seemed like they had some struggles acquiring new business. Talk to us a little bit about how you helped them and essentially what became Cued Creative. Yeah. So actually it backs up a little bit from there. Um, I, <clears throat> I recently brought somebody onto my team and she asked me how I you know, how did this all come to fruition? And I said, and the reason I'm sharing this is because I really want to be an inspiration to people that feel like they don't know how to get started, how to take that first step, how to start their side hustle. I was living in Portland, Oregon. I was working in early childhood education, primarily traveling around to preschools and providing services. And I was living in a very expensive area. So I could only afford a one bedroom apartment as a single mom with an 18 month old. I stood there in my apartment and I, one day, and I looked around and I thought, this isn't it. This is not the end of my life. I have to do something more. My creativity inside of me that had fueled me for so many years wasn't being expressed. My financial growth felt stunted working in the schools. And I thought, well, I have to do something. And so I I went out to Ikea and I bought a desk and I bought a bulletin board and I pinned up a bunch of things that inspired me. And I said, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm going to do something every day that's going to move my life forward. And so every day, whether it was for five minutes or 30 minutes, whether it was at 5 a.m. before my daughter woke up or on my lunch break, I actually started writing because I thought, well, I'm going to start a blog. That sounded like an easy thing. And then I started creating. Then I taught myself how to code and I taught myself WordPress and I taught myself all of these skills and I refined my digital graphic design skills. And while I was in this process of trying to tap into the next phase of my career, which is clear, I've pivoted multiple times. Um, that's when a colleague reached out and the conversation started with, hey, we need somebody like you with a very diverse background, some business experience, marketing experience to come join our team. Do you want to, do you want to join our team as an owner? And I said, I don't know. Let me think about it. In the meantime, what we recognized was their website wasn't attracting the right clients. It wasn't reaching enough people. Their logo and branding was rudimentary because they had done it years ago. And the practice was just kind of floundering and had so much room and potential for growth. And today they have multiple locations. They've come so far. So that's kind of how it started. Somebody reached out to me and I, you know, I built that first website. And then a friend posted on Facebook and said, Hey, Hannah built a website. And I got a couple calls and actually my very first client just circled back and we're doing a travel blog for her and her husband now. So many of these clients have stayed in my life since I started, but yeah, that was kind of, that's kind of the whole story of of this shift in my career. 
It's so interesting how one opportunity like that can pivot and change an entire career. And I think it's so interesting how you just started building positive habits. I think one of the things that we notice most with private practice owners or business owners in general is just overcoming inertia. We can make recommendations, we can give suggestions to people on how to get started and how to do things, but you actually have to go ahead and do it. And so one of the interesting things that I was taking a note of as you were writing that is just how important it was that these friends of yours had the foresight to know that there was something missing from their practice, the messaging, the branding, the cohesiveness of their website and everything, putting that together. And then I think it's really interesting tying in what we were just talking about being recession proof with that concept of how you started with this first group of clients. What were some of the things that you noted about this first set of clients? When you said that their messaging and their branding wasn't really cohesive or targeting the right group of people, did they have a specific disorder that they served or a specific population? What was the incongruence that you saw and the opportunity that opened up the door for them? So what was interesting about them is, is they knew who they were. They knew what their mission was. They knew their purpose. They had a vision, right? So they, they were on the path to achieve this future state, these future goals. Yet the way their business lived and breathed online didn't reflect that. And branding and cohesion, it all is based on the foundation of knowing who you are. You have to have defined your purpose, your vision and your mission and your core values. And when you've defined those, you can then express them through visual, your visual identity and your content messaging. And so this business had that foundation because they had been in business for a while. <clears throat> they were experienced speech pathologists. They were a really unique dynamic team. And so it was my job to take that and reimagine it for them and create that presence. Now, their practice is so different because they started so many years ago. I mean, the, the world looks so different today than when they started. But really, at the end of the day, I think it was telling the story of their business and being clear on the services they provided. Now, when I say that, it's not speech therapy. Yeah, that's the service. But what are you really providing? What are you really, really doing for your clients? And then what are the client outcomes? Are those being communicated? And those weren't because it basically just said speech therapy, language therapy, evaluations, assessments. And that was what they put out into the world. And so when we reframed that into their unique solutions um, and really reflected these problems that the parents were seeing in their own children back to them through their brand messaging, they were able to grow and reach more people. That's so important and it's such a great point. I always liken it to thinking about any service. I think sometimes when you become such an expert in your field, you become very intertwined with the jargon. And so as you mentioned, Hannah, talking about the actual assessments used or the tools or the services, Frankly, if a parent has a concern for their child, I don't think that they always care about what tools you'll be using or what assessments or what products, right? They just want the disorder to be solved or their child to improve. Similar to any other profession, if you have someone maintain your lawn, I don't necessarily care what type of hedge clippers you're using or lawnmower. I just want to have a professionally done and maintained lawn, right? So I think scaling back and thinking about just the outcomes and what your clients can expect such an important thing to communicate in the messaging, not just what you, not what you're doing, but, or how you're doing it, but why you're doing it and what the outcomes truly are. I feel like this conversation can go in so many directions, you know, because all of this, like I said, it, it's all based on this foundation of, of knowing truly who you are, but it's also it, to me that there's two things there's authenticity. So 
who are you? Don't mimic another practice. Don't copy another practice. Don't be who you think you're supposed to be, but who are you truly? Are you a really fun person? Are you a child at heart? Is your therapy play-based? Is it, you know, what does it look like and how is that really being represented? And then the other thing is don't try to do it all because we, if we do it all, we water it down. I have done this in my own business so many times. I go wide and then I realize I'm not doing things well and I have to bring it back to focus. You know, in the finance world, your money goes a lot further when you're investing in a much more narrow focus, right? Whether it's the assessments you're buying or the materials, but it also comes down to your marketing and your messaging. And so when you try to do it all, you can't be clear on who you are, who's your audience, you can't find them. What I do with my clients, what the, one of the things I do is we really get down to the basics. Who are you? Who do you serve? And I encourage most people to be specific and not go broad. Completely agree. And again, to liken it to any other profession, if I'm feeling heart palpitations, I'm not just going to go to Google and search for general practitioner, right? I'm going to find the best cardiologist. And most likely I will be willing to go on an airplane, not in COVID times, but in normal times, I'll go in an airplane and I will find this cardiologist because I want my issue, heart palpitations to go away. There's a role for generalists. There's a role for GPs, but at the same time, just like in the SLP world, if you are passionate, if there is a certain population or certain disorder, just like you're saying, Hannah, there is something that really lights the fire in you and, and you want to focus all your energy on. There is so much opportunity, just as you said, if speech pathology truly is a recession-proof industry, which I concur, there are so many disorders that need specialists and experts to improve everything. And so being narrow and going instead of, as you mentioned, a mile wide and an inch deep, I think many business owners have much more success doing the opposite, going a mile deep and an inch wide, right? Becoming truly known in your community or your marketplace as the expert for certain services. Talk to us a little bit about when someone hires you and your team at Q Creative, what are some of the exercises that you go through or how do you help people along the path of self-discovery? Or what are they trying to recognize in themselves to have come out in the brand? You know, it really starts with the initial discovery phone call. So I usually invest about 45 minutes to an hour to get to know somebody before I even send them a proposal. My goal is make sure that people walk away with value, even if I'm not the right fit for them. And in that conversation, a lot of times what I find is that people don't necessarily know who they want to serve or they've got some ideas. And so I'm able to ask these questions about what would you do if you could only do one thing the rest of your life? Who would you serve? Where do you want to be in five years? What are the true goals besides revenue for your business? And then once people come on board, I have a number of questionnaires that my clients answer. And so we start with a brand story and then we move into a brand interview. And these two things are very different. One looks at who they are what are their aesthetic preferences? What are their likes and their values? And the other starts to look at their business and how do they add value to their clients' lives? What is their unique value proposition? What is it that sets them apart from the competition? And um, then the other questionnaires focus more on services and payment and their professional history. And then we move through a visual branding exercise and create a mood board. And in that process, People who come to me, sometimes they say, I have no idea what I like. I, I could never decorate my own home. I, I don't even have the slightest clue. And some people are very focused. On either side of the spectrum of creativity, the mood board exercise allows people to get clear on 
their aesthetic preferences. So they pin, they go to Pinterest and we pin images that speak to them, that speak to their heart. And from that, I start to get to know who they are in terms of their style and what stands out to them, their colors, the fonts, design elements. And I'm experienced, I've got a very experienced team in taking that information and crafting it into a unique vision for each client. I think that's such a great overview of your process and the work that you and your team go through. You mentioned something really interesting and it was very inspirational for me. You mentioned Brand Story, and I'm not sure if you're specifically referring to the Donald Miller book, Brand Story. Have you read that book? Oh, yeah. I subscribe to his course. I do. I Somewhere around here, I have his um, the journal, the business strategy book, the journaling Um yeah. It, yeah. It, I've, I've read the book as well. And for anyone serious about marketing, I think it's a must read. And the synopsis is everyone goes through what's called the hero's journey. Think of your favorite Disney movie. Most Disney movies are built upon the premise of the hero's journey, but it's not so much what you do, but how you enable the client and help the client and help them along the way, right? They are the hero of their journey, but there's always a helper or a sidekick or someone along the way to get them from the beginning to the end. Wonderful book. Highly recommend it. Um, it's something that sounds like Hannah's team embraces and will walk you through what you're really doing in that process. My interpretation of that book is that people always want to know what's in it for them and what you can do for them, right? It's not that you are the largest speech pathology private practice in XYZ County. But as you mentioned earlier, the services you provide, the outcomes you provide, how you're helping these people along their journey and along their way. Yeah, absolutely. It really comes down to differentiation. How are you unique and how do you differentiate yourself from the competition, which falls back on my motto, the best brand strategy is authenticity. Let's talk a little bit about one of the core services of Cued Creative, which I know is website design. And as we've talked about building a recession-proof business, I think many private practice owners were thrust into a virtual environment, a teletherapy environment in 2020, whether they were ready or not. So talk to us a little bit about the importance of, of a website and not so much the direct messaging or even the colors of the aesthetics, but just the power of, of the website itself to a private practice owner's business and the first impression that a consumer might have when they come to your website? Yeah. I mean, I think websites, they are your first impression. And I, I use that term all the time, visual or I mean, online storefront. A private practice is unique in that somebody's not going to walk in the front door to book the appointment. They're always going to interact with you first, either online or over the phone. So creating that first impression and making sure that it's professional and that it truly represents who you are is going to get you really far. Now, one thing that I'm really honest with my clients up front is there's very different ways a website can serve your business. And I have clients that come to me with pre-existing websites that are not serving them in a number of ways. And clients come to me with no website, but a private pay clinic is very different than a clinic who takes most major insurances. And the way your website has to serve you in those two different scenarios is also very different. So I think one really interesting thing that you just mentioned, Hannah, is that even if you are a traditional brick and mortar, that most people will not just walk in to your clinic and schedule a time to meet with you, right? There's always a first impression and they're going to either be phoning you to book an appointment directly through your website. Talk to us a little bit about the importance of the website and how, whether you're a private pay clinic or an insurance accepting clinic, that a website can really be used to your advantage to improve the customer experience. So one thing with private pay clinics is that private pay clients tend to come from word of mouth referrals, whether it's a trusted friend or professional on their child's team or loved one's team. 
And so one thing about private pay clients is they're a little bit more discerning. They tend to do more research and dig in deeper. And I know a lot of practices will start out private pay only. In that respect, a website becomes really important because this is your first opportunity to sell to this client or potential client that you are the solution they're looking for. And so with a website, I think we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. If you go to a website that is unprofessional, confusing, or like you said, it's talking about brand names and things that are unimportant to you, or you go to a website that's well-designed, it's easy to navigate, and it speaks to you in a language that you understand which business are you going to call. You're going to call the latter. And the reason is, is that you've made that connection. You've instantly connected emotionally and you've recognized the business as an authority and you've developed a level of trust. And so you're inclined to pick up the phone. Now your website doesn't have to do all the selling. A well-designed website is going to create that connection with your clients just enough information on that website without inundating them or overwhelming them. You're not linking off to milestones on other pages and sending them bouncing back into Google. They already know they have a problem. That's why they're on your website. So it's doing just enough of the heavy lifting that by the time the person picks up the phone call to you, winning the business should be pretty easy. It's always been my understanding that the best websites give you direct calls to action and give you simply one task. And I think a common pitfall is something that Hannah, you were just describing, balancing around to the specifics of the disorder or why they ended up on your website, right? They are already there. You did the hard part. You got them to your website. So as you mentioned, now you just need to take it to the next step and bring them home. I think that brings up another interesting point because I know in addition to just the website solutions, you do have an expertise in marketing solutions and also helping others with business development, the fancy word for sales and acquiring new customers. It's always been explained to me through the marketing process, if you will, like a marketing flywheel. There's many components and many segments that really go together to help make the whole marketing flywheel run. So we've talked about the website, we've talked about branding. Talk to us a little bit about maybe some of the other important parts that you see, whether it's using social media, a newsletter, you mentioned blog, we were speaking on a podcast, content creation. What are some of the other things that private practice owners can do to really enhance their marketing efforts? So I encourage everybody to think about where they go to find similar people, right? So if you have a child who has gone through an experience and you're seeking out a play therapist, are you going to Instagram to find the right play therapist? Are you going to Google to look for a dentist? Are you relying on your network? Are you tapping into a mom's group? Are you asking your friends and colleagues? And so really think about where your clients are coming from and where are they living and searching for you to narrow down your marketing focus because you can't do it all. I have so many clients that come to me and they say, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm blogging, I'm working on my SEO. And I said, well, where are your clients coming from? In my experience, 90% of referrals come from either insurance, so your pediatricians, so that's a strong professional network and referral pipeline, or word of mouth. So how can you invest in word of mouth marketing and client retention so that you can grow your business in the most trusted way? I mean, 95% of my business comes from word of mouth, actually 99. I think that's 
almost all of it. <laughs> that's that's such an interesting juxtaposition. And so what you just said is so common and it's so commonplace. Uh, I just want to reiterate what you said. Someone came to you and said, I need to improve the SEO or the search engine optimization of my website. And I'm sure you dig a little deeper and say, okay, we can talk about that. Why is that important to you? And they'll probably say, Hannah, I don't know. Someone said SEO. It's a buzzword, right? It's a, it's a hot topic in 2020 for websites, but if 90 to 95% in your research and clients are getting 90 to 95% of their introductions and referrals from word of mouth marketing. I don't think having a optimized blog post is necessarily going to be sending people to their website. While SEO is important, as you say, you have to know what's important to your business and breaking down the business development and where the new business is coming from. So I think that's such a wonderful resource and recommendation to really analyze. And if you are in your own client's shoes, where are you going? Are you going to the Facebook moms group? Are you going to Instagram? Are you going to Pinterest? Another thing that I think we can talk about with this topic is I know there's a common thing in the marketing world called shiny object syndrome. And I think we're alluding to it a little bit right now, but if you can talk to us a little bit more about that. So there's kind of two sides to this. There's the new business who doesn't have any clients and they don't know where their clients are coming from. And then there's the existing business who should be asking every single client where they came from and tracking it so they know where to invest their efforts. But you can't do it all. So what I say to all of my clients is, do you want to do it? Do you like Instagram? No, I hate Instagram. Well, then let's not focus on Instagram because you're not going to enjoy it. And when it's a struggle, you're not gonna do it well because you're gonna put it off. So let's choose the things that you like. And then in addition to that, let's create consistency. So start with the low hanging fruit. Do you have a pediatrician, You know, your child's pediatrician who you have a good relationship with? Then that's the low hanging fruit in my book. You can invest in direct marketing, some marketing materials that they can pass out to their clients. And you're going to get an instant return on your investment, which is going to feel good. So you're motivated to keep doing it. Now, SEO is probably the shiniest object right now. Every single client calls me about SEO. It's in all the Facebook groups. And basically, to sum SEO up, it is the New York City Marathon. You will never launch a business and launch a website and find yourself at the finish line in first place. SEO is such a long game. You have to be committed to ongoing practice. And if you don't have the time and energy to regularly update your content and invest in the numerous things that it takes to position yourself well in Google, then you're not going to, you might arrive at the finish line, but it's going to take you a long time and you certainly won't be first. What my research tells me in most markets is that most people are not actually searching for services like what we provide online. I recently was working with a group out of Columbus, Ohio. And what I found there is they really did actually have a large search volume, meaning a lot of people were looking for speech therapy for kids or speech therapy for children. Similarly, I was helping a group in Kansas City. And what we found was the search volume was so low that there was no point in investing in SEO. Because it takes so long to rank really high in SEO, and because it is either a huge financial investment, a smart SEO strategist would charge somewhere between $600 to $2,000 a month. I tell people, let's go with what's easier, right? So that's going to be direct marketing within an already established professional network or personal network. It's also going to be tapping into social media 
Facebook group and just tapping into your network and telling everybody and anybody what you're doing. It really goes back to the, at the end of the day, you can't do it all and you have to pick one or two things and you have to be consistent. It doesn't matter. The end of the day, the best strategy is going to be consistency. Absolutely. And I think your story earlier about when you were going through this career change and doing something for five minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, again, we're talking right now and most people are listening to this are podcast fans. Otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this episode. But what's important is that you try things before you really make a full-fledged commitment. I can't tell you how many times that I've talked to private practice owners and they say, we listen to your podcast. We listen to a lot of podcasts. We should start a podcast. And then they'll take their phone. You don't need to spend $5,000 on a microphone and podcast equipment and everything like that. You have most likely have a smartphone in your pocket, which can record your voice, record an episode, try talking for 15, 20 minutes. And you might realize, I hate this. I don't want to do a podcast. So I'm not going to do that. Similarly for blogging, you might not want to be a writer. And if you're going to try and optimize SEO, you need to have content written and blogs. So I think, Hannah, what you said is so important. What do you enjoy doing? What piece of content creation do you want to do? Um, there's so many different methodologies and formats, but it's most important to focus on what you like to do. So everything with Qt Creative sounds like a wonderful custom experience. The clients that you take on really get help with a lot of the different attributes that we were talking about. Brand creation, colors, moods, putting those boards together and figuring it all out. If someone was unable to have the financial resources, or let's say that they're just starting their private practice, it's maybe a second income or a side hustle, if you will. I know one of the projects that your team is putting together is something called the branded site. And I think it's such a tremendous resource for potentially a lot of our listeners, as well as a lot of private practice owners around the country. So share with us a little bit about if someone says, you know what, Hannah, this all sounds great. I just don't have the financial budget or I don't have the funds today to go through the entire queued creative process. Talk to us about the branded site and what you and your team are looking to create for practitioners. So it comes down to one of the core values of my business, which is to inspire as many people as possible to take their lives into their own hands through running their own businesses. And I never want a website or access to quality branding to hold anyone back. So we've created the brandedsite.com. And basically what it's going to be is it's going to be a DIY, but it's a DIY, the Q creative way. So you're taking years of expertise and proven strategies, and you're going to be able to do it yourself. And you're going to create your visual brand, your brand messaging, and then you're also going to be able to design a custom website using one of our blueprints on an incredibly user-friendly platform. All of this is going to be walking everybody through it step-by-step. Step. Basically, the output could be compared to or confused with something that we've created for people. At the end of the day, really, the branded site is going to increase access to high-quality branding and web development for everybody. And you know, the motto of the branded site is a website in a weekend. It's not going to take you forever. Um, you're going to be able to get it done so that you don't get basically paralyzed in the planning and you can keep moving forward with your business goals. As business owners, there's really two major functions that we have. We have money and time. So if you're at the stage in your career or your business where you don't have the money to maybe do a full-fledged, cute, creative type of project, if you have the time, which if you're able to build a website in a weekend, that's the sacrifice 
or the contribution that you'll have to make to building the website. And so it sounds like Hannah and her team put together a wonderful thing that you will be able to complete in a weekend. And it sounds like it'll be pretty interesting where you might be doing some split testing someday, right? To see a cute creative website versus a branded site website to see which was created because it sounds like they'll be on similar platforms, similar chassis, but yet very equal outputs. Yeah, absolutely. And part of my mission with the brand insight is to teach other entrepreneurs and private practice owners more than just how to build a website. It's really creating that brand messaging and thinking about your business in all the ways that we've talked about today. So coming up with, or basically developing skills that last long beyond, last a long, last far beyond the creation of the website. Awesome. And I think that's another important thing as we start to wrap up just about marketing in general. And it's just having the endurance, like you said, certain activities, you will not see any fruits of your labor for months, even years, as some of these projects get underway and figuring out again, what you are really passionate about, but knowing how to do the skill sets and what's required in order to do certain activities. Sounds like a lot of those questions will be answered as part of purchasing a website and building your own through the branded site. No, I created a a branding essentials handout that really is a summary of everything that I do and everything somebody needs to know for branding. And you can get that free on the branded site just to kind of get people jumpstarted and inspired in coming up with their own brand strategy. So as we start to wrap up, longtime listeners of the SLP Money Podcast know that we like to leave our listeners with three takeaways from every episode. So that way you can go ahead and get started with some action items and start really working on this case, your branding and your messaging and really build that website or improve that website. As we said earlier, Hannah really got into the cute creative mindset and started building this because there was a website, but there were ways to enhance it and really improve that first website that she worked on. For me, number one certainly has to be niching down and not trying to be everything for everyone. So focusing on a target market will help streamline your marketing and create a clear brand statement for your target audience. Yeah, absolutely. It's having a focus, knowing who you are and making it easier for yourself. Niching down literally creates simplicity because you have have one message. You are marketing to one group of people. You are investing in one type of assessment, one type of material. Niching down not only is a smart business move, but it's going to simplify your life. Absolutely. And number two, invest in client retention and word of mouth referrals. From your experience and what you shared with us, if 90 to 95% of your client's new business comes from those two sources, don't get distracted by the shiny objects and other marketing buzzwords that you might hear in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. I tell every single one of my clients to have either stack of note cards from Target or some branded note cards with their logo on their desk. And every time they get a referral from a new referral source, send that handwritten thank you note. Make sure that your referral sources are appreciated. Make sure that your clients are appreciated. Everybody wants to feel like you're one and only. And so invest your energy and your effort into that. Whether it's a graduation certificate that goes up on the fridge, a note when somebody's going through a hard time, a thank you for following you through a transition, whether it's moving online during COVID or a new clinic space, making sure that everybody feels special and they are valued and they're going to sing your praises from the rooftop. And number three, I think it it might be called 2B, but I think it's number three is marketing is a lot more than just throwing spaghetti at the wall. We talked about it, right? If you're focusing just on social media, you can't do Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, 
TikTok, whatever else kids do these days. You can't focus on all of them. You have to find out and figure out where your clients are coming from. One thing that you mentioned earlier, Hannah, which I'll reiterate here is there has to be some type of either annual customer client survey or on your intake form, find out where these people are coming from. How did they become a client of your clinic? Yeah, absolutely. And the other piece of that, don't throw spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks is consistency. So you've got to be consistent with your marketing. If you reach out to a doctor's office, Hey, I'm here. I'm taking new clients one time with an email. Don't expect clients to come your way from that doctor. Now, if you show up in their lives in multiple ways over the course of several months, then you can expect to start to build that relationship. And also remember those relationships are two-way streets. It's not just, hey, send me your patients, but also here's some shared philosophies we have. We're both here serving our community in this way and make sure that you're building those relationships on a deeper level. Just talking about the sales process, right? There's a lot of literature and research done that it takes about six or seven impressions for someone to actually buy in the sales cycle. So as you mentioned, showing up at a doctor's office one time with a stack of business cards usually won't get the job done. So be consistent. And like you said, it's a two-way street, right? Help them help you. So any other parting notes, Hannah, before we go? Just don't get paralyzed in the planning. Take the first step, do something. If you are inspired to start a private practice and you don't have the budget or the time to create a website and a brand, let people know that you're seeing some kids and that you would like to take some clients on the side. I mean, just do something every day to move your life forward to achieve those goals. So thank you so much again, Hannah, for joining us today. And we'll catch you all on the next episode of SLP Money. You've been listening to SLP Money, hosted by Craig Goldslager. Want even more ideas on how to make smart financial decisions? Head on over to the Learning Center at utterlyfinancial.com, where you'll find more information for SLPs and private practice owners. While there, you can also schedule a complimentary 30-minute consultation with Craig. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, which will help more people discover SLP Money. Thanks so much for listening. Materials discussed is for general and informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investing advice. While the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individuals' situations may vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual and professional advice. Craig Goldsleiger is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 2 South Biscayne Boulevard, Suite 1740, Miami, Florida, 33131, 305-371-6333. Securities, products, and financial services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Utterly Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian, Craig Goldsleiger does not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to speech-language pathologists and private practice professionals. California Insurance License 0K78754, 2021-125198, expiration 08-2023.